my goodness, I, I don't know if the presidential debate was more like entertaining and upsetting or that video. Uh, but, but either way, tell you what, this is the perfect time of the year for us to talk about politics. I mean, everybody is talking about it. It's literally in absolutely every conversation. And we thought that since everybody's talking about it, that it was about time for us as a church to, to like wade into the fray. Uh, you know, I know, I know, I know traditionally uh, the church has avoided, you know, these politically charged conversations. And honestly, I think it's because we're afraid. And that's right. I, I said it like, pastors, myself, uh, other pa- like we've been afraid of like offending big givers and, and causing like rifts and divisions uh, in, in our churches and, and even causing like groups of people to leave. And so like we, we just quite frankly haven't really addressed some of these really important issues. But, but since it's 2020, since everything that's like normal and accepted has been just completely thrown out the window, thought that we just go ahead and answer the question that everybody's asking. Who should I vote for? I mean, it kind of feels like uh, this is just another one of those bonkers elections, right? I mean, some people are saying uh, that, that it doesn't really matter who I vote for. It's just going to be kind of a crapshoot anyways, right? And other people are saying, man, like this is the single most important election of our entire lifetimes. And, and so I, I just thought that I'd go ahead and settle this once and for all. This election, you should vote for. Oh my goodness, just kidding. I, I wouldn't actually do that. Although I, I'm sure that in that moment, like I made some of you guys really nervous, but, but at the same time, I'm sure there was other, others of you that were like, oh my goodness, finally, finally, Jason, thank you for telling us what we're supposed to do. But I promise I'm not gonna tell you who to vote for. What, what's actually kind of comical, or at least it was kind of funny to me, uh, was that when Shay asked if I'd be willing to, to, to preach and to share uh, in this series, and he said, well, hey, we're, we're doing this talking point series, and uh, I'd really like you to, to speak on, on the topic, and the title for this message is Choosing Sides which I personally found kind of comical because I'm Canadian and I can't even vote. Um, but I just want to encourage you, uh, for those of you who can vote, definitely make that freedom and, and privilege a priority this year and get out and vote. Uh, but this series, as, as we've already talked about, is called Talking Points, right? The, the perfect blend of, of politics and religion. Uh, and seriously, like as Jesus followers, we have got to get this figured out. Like we, we don't all have to uh, agree on the same political stance, you know, on the same issues. And hopefully you picked up on that last week as, as Shay shared, but, but we do have to be better than we have been, right? Uh, I, I know for, for some of you, there's some of you here at a Gromlat home site uh, or, or watching from your living room or, or, or maybe listening in your car uh, and you're like, man, I'm not, I, I'm not like all into this Jesus rose from the dead thing. And, and, and I think for, for many of us, it's, it's the way that as, as Jesus followers, we've, we've demonized our differences, uh, the, the way that we've divided the church over some of these political issues. And, and, and for some of you who don't believe in Jesus, that's why. That's why you don't believe in Jesus. And so this morning, if you don't believe in Jesus, I, if, if this whole like following Jesus thing just isn't really for you would, would, would you, would you just sit back and listen? And then I give you permission that, that when you hear me or, or any other Jesus follower intentionally like causing arguments or division over political issues, like you have my permission to call us out because that's not how things are supposed to be. But if you are a Jesus follower, Man, let, let's really lean into this together. I, as I said, I'm not gonna tell you to vote, but we are gonna look at some pretty clear instructions so that we can learn how to disagree politically, 
love unconditionally and pray for unity. So, so Jason, like, I, how, how do I do that? How do I, I, I'm so glad that you asked that question. Let's, let's dig in because th- this is the question, right? This is the question. When it comes to choosing sides, the question really is, am I willing, are we willing, are you willing to put your faith filter in front of your political filter? Are, are we really willing to be, to be Jesus followers first? But then that brings up the following question, right? Like what, what happens when what I believe, when my faith, uh, it, when, when there's distance between what I believe and, and my, my political stance or, or, or the things that my political party uh, takes a stand on? Like what happens when there's distance between those two? And I'm, I'm convinced that that as Jesus followers, we should not allow the political climate to divide the church, especially our local church, especially here at Grumlaw. Uh, last week, Shay uh, brought up John chapter 17, and, and, and the book of John is the, the, the fourth uh, biographical narrative uh, of, of the life and ministry of Jesus. And, and we looked last week at what Jesus prayed right before he died in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, right? Disciples are, are just, just simply the, the people that follow Jesus. Uh, but I'm praying also for all who were, will ever believe in me. So, so that's like me and you, right? That's us. Who will ever believe in me through their message. And then verse, verse 21, he says, I pray that they will all be one. That they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us. So that, for the purpose of, like this is the whole reason right here, so that the world will believe that you sent me. So, so getting this right or getting it wrong, it, it, it has eternal significance. That, that if you're a Jesus follower, you must care deeply about this. Uh, this, this preacher from, from the, the last uh, century, Charles Spurgeon, maybe one of the greatest preachers of all time, Charles Spurgeon said, uh, it w- was recorded saying that if you're a Jesus follower and you don't care about the salvation of others, then you can be sure that you're probably not saved yourself. I mean, this is the biggest deal. This, this is bigger than who's gonna be president. This, this is bigger than your mortgage. This is bigger than the national debt. I mean, this is even bigger than, than whether or not my kids are are gonna go to school like virtually or in person. It, and, I, and I know that as I said that, like every parent just cringed, but, but it's true. Like this is the biggest deal. As a church, we've gotta get this right. We've gotta be better. And so this morning, may, may we as, as this like new generation in the church, w- would you commit with me right now this morning to be better so that the world will believe that Jesus, that he conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered the grave. Guys, let's, let's be better. Let's be unified in the way that Jesus wants us to be. So, so how are we gonna do that? How are we going to disagree politically, love unconditionally, and pray for unity? Well, well let, let, me, let me start by praying. Will you, will you allow me uh, to pray for you, to pray for me, to pray for us right now? Father, I... I just, I just lift up uh, the church, your bride, uh, Grumlaw Church, and anyone who's watching or listening this morning. God, would, would you stir in our hearts that we might be uh, the answer to the prayer that you prayed all those years ago, that we would be one, uh, 
That, that we would learn how to, in, in these moments of heated discussion, to, to disagree politically and, and yet still love unconditionally and, and would our heart be one that prays for unity among your church. So God, I just pray that that is true of each and every one of us as Jesus followers this morning. Amen. Well, it was, uh, it was, just, it was just two summers ago. Um, my, my family and I, we, we just moved here from Denver. Uh, we were actually over at my mother-in-law's house uh, swimming. I mean, it was, a, it was a gorgeous summer day and obviously it wasn't too long ago since we experienced those kinds of days. And you know, the, the pool was like crystal clear. Uh, Debbie, my mother-in-law, had spent a lot of time cleaning it and getting it ready. And it was, it was like perfect. It was just a great day. We were, we were swimming the whole day, eating out, barbecuing. Uh, and, and like most adults, right, like we, we got done swimming before the kids. And so uh, we got out, got our clothes back on, uh, and, and we're just sitting on the side of the pool, like just hanging out, talking. And then, and then we spent some time, you know, cleaning up all the pool toys. And, uh, and Aiden, our youngest, uh, was still swimming, right? I mean, as, as a, lot of, a lot of kids do. He was still swimming. His goal was when I said time to go, get a towel on and go jump in the car. And that's it. That's the end of the day. And, uh, and so... We're, we're just chatting. I see Aiden sitting there. Uh, he had taken his floaties off. You know, as I said, it was two years ago and he had just been learning to swim, but wasn't quite super confident yet. So he still had his little floaty on and he had taken that off uh, and was just sitting on the steps and, and just like playing with his toys. And then he went down on the second step and I was like, Aiden, like, just be careful, buddy. Like you can't really swim yet. Uh, and, then, and then he went on the third step and we were just chatting. And, and then all, all of a sudden I, I, I looked down and, and there there's Aiden. He, he had gone all the way down. Now he's, now he's flat foot on the bottom of the, the shallow end. And, and he's like completely submerged in water. And he's just, he, he's, he, he's looking up at me. Like we're making eye contact. He's got a big old goofy grin on his face. And he's just kind of like floating there. And, and so I did what like every good, like loving father would do. Like, hey, Laura, your, your kids dress. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. Um, I, I immediately like jump in, like clothes on, shoes on, iPhone in my pocket. I jump in to grab my baby boy. I jumped in like to, to save this kid who was convinced that he was Aquaman, right? And, and guys, if, if you're a Jesus follower, that's, that's what you need to do. You, you need to jump in. You need to jump in there. There's no sitting on the sideline and, and waiting for someone else to do something. You, Jesus follower right now, it's time for you to jump in. And, and here's the crazy thing about like this whole like political thing, like regardless of what side of the spectrum you, you sit on, if, if someone were to approach me or Shay or, or, or pretty much any preacher, they, they could ask us, hey, could you, could you put a message together? Uh, and, and, and using the words and the stories of Jesus, uh, defend or, or make a case for why people should vote, you know, for the Republican Party. Well, yeah, could do that. At the same time, like, you know, you could come and say, hey, uh, Jason, could, could, you, could you put a message together using, using the words uh, and stories of Jesus and, and put a message together uh, creating the case for why a person should, should vote Democratic? Yeah, could do that. And the crazy thing is it's been done before. It's done all the time. And, and what's nuts is that, that both sides use the exact same verses. That, that depending on what you're trying to accomplish in that moment, like it's amazing how easy it is to make the words of Jesus like agree with you. But, but here's some truth. Hey, here's some truth, some, something very different. Here, here's, you guys ready for some truth? Yeah, so I thought, right? Jesus, he didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. 
He didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. Jesus came to introduce kingdom values into our world, not Republican values, not democratic values or independent values. He came to introduce the kingdom of God, this kingdom where where he gave himself up, a kingdom of reckless generosity, of, of love that's just not fair. The the kingdom of God, it's a kingdom that's so all-inclusive that anyone who believes is lovingly welcomed in. The the, the kingdom of God, it's it's a way of life that's so upside down that it's going to conflict with every single kingdom and empire in this world, including and maybe especially the U.S. empire. And so it's, it's foolishness. It's foolishness for us as the church to be divided over this stuff. Be, because we're, we're supposed to be kingdom people first and then political after that. I mean, th- this is what Jesus prayed for and, and what, he's been, what he's been working towards through his bride, through the local church. Which means then that division, division in the church is disobedience in the kingdom. Guys, we've gotta get this figured out. How to, how to disagree politically, love unconditionally, and pray for unity. And so this morning, let's, uh, let's look to the, the book, the Bible. For, for me, as a Jesus follower, I mean, th- this book, the Bible, is, it's the highest authority in the land. Let, let's allow God's word to, to help us when, when disagreement ends and diverse opinions begin, right? Because when we get to that point where, where we can no longer agree with our brothers and sisters, like, what are we gonna do? How are we supposed to interact with each other? And I believe that God's word has some very, very specific things to say to you and to me. And so this morning, we're gonna look at, at this guy, the apostle Paul, in, in two of his letters, uh, he uses this phrase, the law of Christ. He uses it two different times uh, in, in two of his letters. And, and if you're not familiar with this guy, the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul, he, he never started out as, as this like church planner, pastor extraordinaire, no, no. Paul started out as this guy that was called Saul. And Saul just absolutely hated Jesus, hated the church, hated Christians. And he took it upon himself to like wipe out Christianity, wipe it off of the face of the earth. And he thought he was serving God and doing that. And then one day God got a hold of his heart, completely just, just transformed who he is. And, and then he became known as the apostle Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, and Paul wrote more than half of the letters in the New Testament. And, and so Paul, as he's, as he's writing these two letters, he uses this phrase, the law of Christ. Uh, the, the, the law of Christ, it, it, it was the new command that Jesus introduced. Uh, it, in, in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, uh, Jesus introduces this, this idea, uh, there's a new covenant, right? The new covenant, which is, which is designed to, re, to replace, to be a fulfillment of the old covenant, right? It's a substitute for the 613 Old Testament laws. And here's what Jesus says. He says that, that, that we are to love one another. We're to love one another as Christ loved us. That by this, by this, everyone will know that we are his followers if we love one another. So, so we are, the, the law of Christ is that we are to love as he loved, that, that we, are to, we are to take our cues from him, right? This, this is the kingdom of God. 
This is heaven come down to earth. I mean, this is what, this is what Jesus did for you and for me. He, he came to serve others. J- Jesus so desperately wants a relationship with you and, and with me that, that he gave up his life. He gave up everything so, so that we might have the opportunity to experience eternal and abundant life. Guys, I'm, I'm a Jesus follower because Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. He conquered sin. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. Guys, Christianity exists today because Jesus rose from the dead. And, and you, can, you can know that resurrection power in your own life by simply believing, by simply trusting in him right now. You can do that even right now. Just in, in, in the quietness of your own heart, I'd encourage you to tell somebody. Uh, but but in the, even in the quietness of your own heart, you can just say, Jesus, I, I trust you. I, I believe that what you did, you did for me. And I, I'd love to know, I'd love to know if that's, if that's where you're at, if that's a decision that you want to make, or you just want to learn more about what it means to be a Jesus follower. I, I'd encourage you to, to send even, even just a quick email to info at gromla.com, and, the, and then I, I'm going to follow up with you this week. Because this extravagant, unfair, upside down love, this is the kingdom ethic, right? This phrase, the, the law of Christ, this is how Paul refers to this kingdom ethic. And so here's what Paul actually says when he uses these phrases, the law of Christ. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19. He says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people that, that, that I might bring many to Christ. I mean, Paul is saying here, like, I'm on a mission. I'm going to do anything short of sin to convince the world. And then, and then he continues in verse 21. He says, when I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I, I, I live apart from that law so that I might bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. So, so in here, what, what Paul's doing, he's, he's describing to to a mixed Jewish and Gentile audience. And the, the Gentiles is just simply Paul's way uh, of saying anyone who's not Jewish. So he's describing to a mixed Jewish and Gentile audience uh, and, to, and to the Jewish audience, he, he's saying that, man, like I, 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 know, I know that, that you feel this like intense pressure from the Jewish scriptures, what we would call our Old Testament, that there's this, these 613 laws that you feel like are, are drawing you back and, 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 and you feel like, what, what am I supposed to do? Whose authority am I supposed to live under? Is it these 613 laws or, or is it something else? And, and then you have the Gentile audience who, who are, are like feeling pressure from, from the Roman Empire. Right, like what, what law do I live under, Paul? Because what you're saying, I, I'm, not, I'm not quite understanding. Whose who's authority am I under? What, what's supposed to govern my life? And so what Paul is saying here, he says, he says listen, listen, listen. I, I'm not first, I'm not first under the law from the Jewish scriptures. I, I'm, not, I'm also not, even as a Roman citizen, Paul is a Roman citizen, he's like, I'm also not first under the law of the Roman Empire. Paul is saying, no, my, my driving ethic is the law of Christ. That, that living under this new ethic, this, this is the primary driving force that's gonna determine how I'm supposed to interact with each other, how I'm supposed to respond, what I'm supposed to do each and every day. And, and, then, and then in another letter that, that Paul wrote to a group of churches in, in, the, in the area called Galatia, and so they, they aptly titled it Galatians. In Galatians chapter six, verse two, he kind of brings some extra clarity to this, this law of Christ. He says, share each other's burdens. And in this way, in this way, you obey the law of Christ. So, so the law of Christ, it's, it's an each other thing. That, that when, we, when we one another, one another, like 
That is how we fulfill the law of Christ. That when the concerns of others concern you, you live out this kingdom ethic. So as Jesus followers, guys, this right here, this is our marching order. This new law, it should inform our behaviors, should inform our conscience. And then, and then when we violate this law, this ethic, like it should bother us. Like, like whether it's individually or collectively, it should bother us. We should become disturbed and irritated and convicted. When we see someone or we, we, we see someone violate this, this kingdom ethic, Guys, when, when someone's autonomy, when, when it undermines the health of our family, our friends, our neighborhood, a community, an entire people group, like that should bother us. We should become disturbed and irritated and convicted because this, this is a violation of this new kingdom ethic. Like even if we see it outside of the church, it should move us to action. Be, because what's best for people, that's what's best and so here's how this ethic played out in, in the early days of the church. Uh, there, it, it, it was self-evident to the people uh, that lived in this first century. And it just, just mean that like, it, it was so obvious that this thing called infanticide, that, that it was good for society. Uh, infanticide was, was this, this kind of twisted thing that, that when you had a baby that maybe you didn't really want, maybe, maybe you had a baby that had a birth defect, or, or, or as that baby was born, you realize, man, this is a girl. I wanted a boy. And so you, you would expose this baby. It, what, what that meant is, 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 is that when you exposed the babies, you brought this child down and you put this child down uh, on the side of the river and, uh, or, or outside the city uh, and you would leave that baby there. You'd expose the baby. This is infanticide. It, it was a way for you to, to basically get rid of this baby, let nature take its course. This baby would die, would be killed by, by wild animals or whatever was out there. Uh, it, it, was, it was, you expose the baby. It was a way for people to get rid of unwanted babies without ever feeling guilty or being guilty when that baby died. But, but from the very beginning, Christians condemned this behavior and, and Christians would actually go into, this, in, in, into these, the, the sides of the river or, or wherever these babies were placed and they, they would snatch up these babies uh, because this, this was such an awful practice and they would bring these babies into their, their small little homes and they would raise these children as their own, even just with their like meager incomes. Why? Why? Like Paul never said in any of his letters, like we, we have to do this. This wasn't one of those 613 laws, even from the, the, old, the old covenant. Like why, where did, where did this practice come from? Why did they do it? They did it because love required it. They, they did it because it fulfilled the law of Christ. <laughs> they did it because this, this was kingdom values. And what was crazy was that, that over a period of time of, of the empire, seeing these Jesus followers living out this kingdom ethic. Like it began to change the perspective. It began to change the mind of those in authority to the extent that over time, infanticide was, was determined to be illegal. And then just a few short years after that, it actually became a capital offense. You would lose your life if you exposed a baby. Guys, we as the church, we, we are called to be salt and light. <laughs> M meaning, like, we, we are supposed to be the, the, the nation's conscience. And this is why it's so, so important. It's so important for, for us to be one as Jesus prayed for. But, but I think that, 
that this is where we got work to do. Again, like what, what are we supposed to do when, when, when agreement ends and diverse opinions begin? And, and he, here's what I want us to, to think about. Rufus Miles, he said this. He says, where you stand depends on where you sit. Where you stand depends on where you sit. Like, meaning that our cultural context, where we sit, it determines our perspective, where we stand. I think all of us would, would come to a place of recognizing that like our political views, they, they weren't created in a vacuum. And this is where we need that maturity, that, that, that d- differences are okay as, as long as we don't allow them to divide us. And if we can get ourselves to that point where, where, where our differences no longer like force this division, like it will actually make us better. And, and if we think about it, like our political views, they're, they're shaped by where we live how we were raised, where we were educated, what we've been told, what we've seen, what we've experienced, and what we've seen others experience. I, I mean, j- just think about it. Like, if you were to ask your parents, like, mom, like, why, why are you Republican? Or, or dad, why, why, are you, why are you a Democrat? It's probably not primarily because of their theological viewpoint it's most likely gonna be related to the world that they grew up in. And this isn't like a dismissal of their faith, but, but oftentimes like when, when, these, when these two things come together, right, our faith and the things we believe and our political views, we will often use one to prop the other one up. And again, this doesn't mean we, we dismiss the significance of our faith. No, I, I think this, this becomes an opportunity for us to begin to see things differently. Not necessarily to vote differently. That's, that's not necessarily the point, but just to see things through a different lens. When we, we, we will then in that moment begin to become the fulfillment of that prayer that Jesus prayed over 2,000 years ago in John chapter 17. That, that prayer that, that we would be one, that his bride, the church, that we would be united. Not, not, not the same, right? Not, but not divided, united. That we would live out this kingdom ethic. That what's best for people is what's best. That, that we would daily ask ourselves as Jesus followers, what does love require? What if? What, what, what if we step back and begin to view things just a little bit differently? Because where you stand depends on where you sit. And I think that if we can grasp the truth in that statement, that then we can, we can begin to approach conversations and approach people with, with open hands and open hearts and an open mind without, without like changing our political viewpoint. Uh, although, I mean, to be honest, like an unattended consequence of, of living this out is that we might change our viewpoint, but that's not the point. So what's the way forward? There, there, there is a way forward. There absolutely is. And it's nothing new. You might even say, Jason, like this seems so simple and naive, but I think this is what Jesus is calling us to do this morning. We need to begin to listen. Listen. We need to listen to people that, that don't experience the world that way that we do. And, and if you don't know people that, that experience the world the, the, the way that you do, then you need to go and meet some new people. We need to begin to listen. And then we need to learn something. <laughs> Guys, our, our faith, it is tethered to an event. Jesus rose from the dead. And there's absolutely nothing that we need to be afraid of, of, of anything, right? So in that, we can be free to pay attention to the frontiers of our ignorance. Like we can truly be a student and not just a critic. Being a critic is easy. Like we, we love to be critics, but, but let's in this, let's, let's pause and be a student. Otherwise, like we're just gonna discount 
all the information that doesn't fit into our currently potentially flawed worldview. When, when we quit learning, something bad happens. Guys, we have got to be better than that. And, and, and here, here's, some, here's something true. Your Democratic brothers and sisters, they're not crazy. Your, your Republican brothers and sisters, they're not crazy. And, and you might be thinking in that moment, but, like, but how could you possibly be a Jesus follower and believe this or believe that? And, and all that you've done, as Shay brought up last week, all that you've done is you just confessed something about yourself. You've just confessed that there's something that you don't know, which is great because that gives you an opportunity to listen and then to learn. Guys, everybody's behavior, their response, their viewpoints, their politics, it, it makes perfect sense to them. I mean, they're, they're taking a stand based on where they sit. And so let's, let's listen, learn, and love. May we never burn a relational bridge over a political view. I mean, this goes back to the cross, to, to this kingdom ethic, that the you beside you is way more precious to God than your potentially flawed view. That, that while both of you were still sinners, Christ died for you. So how dare I burn a bridge for someone that Christ died for you? What does love require of you? What do we do when, when agreement ends and and those diverse opinions be begin. We listen, learn, and love. Hey, man, like that, that just seems so naive. It seems just so simple. Like, will, will it really make a difference? I'll tell you what, once upon a time, the, the early church, it, it was feeling crushed between an empire that thought them to be illegal and dangerous and, and, and a temple that was oppressing them back into this legalistic slavery of a system that was, was trying to trap them and oppress them and control them. But, but in the freedom, in the freedom that the resurrection bought them, be, being governed by this, this new kingdom ethic, they, they gave to Caesar what was Caesar's. And to God, they gave their lives. And, and now the, the, the empire and the temple, they're, they're just a footnote in, in the narrative of of the story of Jesus of Nazareth. Guys, guys, Jesus is building his church and he has invited you and he's invited me into this story. This is the way forward, this kingdom ethic. We can show in this moment, we can show a divided nation how to disagree politically, how to love unconditionally, and how to pray for unity when, when we've listened, learned, and loved. Let's pray.